Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Tonight, um, God gives us, Malachi, if you'll play just behind me just real quick. I get nervous when all I can hear is me. Um, um, God gives us people, body, gifts to the body. Um, to, uh, and he's given us gifts to this church. People work in different gifts. And um, tonight, I want you to hear another voice besides mine, not just mine tonight. So um, Pastor Michael tonight is going to teach tonight from God's Word. And uh, he sent me his, uh, the notes. He didn't have to do that. He's, I don't require that. But he sent them to me, and I looked over them. And, and so I know this Word that he's got tonight is from God. So I want you to honor God. Uh, tonight, some, you know, it's not in this church, but I've been to other churches where people come and speak and they think, well, it's not the pastor. They don't have nothing to say. That's not true, y'all. You don't know how many blessings you've missed because you had to hear the pastor. But tonight, this man has a word to give us tonight as a body, as a church. So tonight, can you put your hands together and honor Pastor Michael as he comes tonight and brings the word. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Lucy, come up here, please. You may be seated. Uh, my name is Michael Sapwell. This is my wife, Lucy. And most of you know my wife because she gets around and she talks and she sometimes I get stuck in the back with the technical stuff, which I love, but uh, I'm not up in front with everybody enough. But I just want you to greet the people and just to pray over the word and uh, we'll go ahead and begin. Hey, everybody. And I guess we'll just go right on into prayer. Father, I just thank you so much for this day. I thank you that you've allowed us to be a part of it. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your glory filling the temples of the hearts of your people, Father. For we are the temples that you dwell in, not this building. We are the temples, Father. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy to allow our ears to be open to hear what you need us to hear today, Father. That we will not just hear it, but we will apply it and we will go out and share it with your world, Father. Father, I thank you right now for your, your word is true. It's tried and true. It never fails. Your word is you. So help us to have hearts that will receive you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, sweetheart. I'm going to jump right into it. The, uh, the title of my message, and uh, thank you, Pastor. This is such a gift, and uh, I have a lot I want to say and I don't want to abuse the gift and the privilege that has been given to me to speak before God's people. I, n I never, never, ever take that lightly. But the title of the message is After This. And there's a few things that's going to happen after I speak tonight. One, you're going to critique this message. One, one of the giftings God has given me, I'm a teacher. And teachers provoke thought. And so, Pastor, if you have any religious people in the congregation, you may get some phone calls tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. And secondly, um, 
you will compare the performance of my delivery to pastor, which I can tell you I am not, I do not have his anointing at all. I'm not a very good preacher at all. And Pastor Caleb is probably uh, the best preacher I've ever sat under. I, I know I know a hundred pastors. I will be a poor Pastor Caleb, but I'll be an excellent Michael Sapwell. Amen. And lastly, after you hear this, Pastor is either going to confirm or correct me. Correct this message. And I don't mind being corrected. I'll sit down and be corrected. But if he confirms it, then you're going to have to do something with the information that you received tonight. You will be responsible for that. So, let's get ready. I'm going to cover three of my favorite topics. One, being Jesus. Two, the Holy Spirit. And three, the fire of God. Those are tough things to talk about, but that's what God has put on my heart to share tonight. I'm going to, we'll look at Jesus first, and I'm going to look at one of his miracles, but that won't be the main text, but uh, Pastor, you might have to reel me back in because it's one of my favorite. You actually preached on it before you went to Brazil, which is John chapter 5, where we have the uh, man at the pool of Bethesda. So if you would turn with me in your Bibles. To John chapter 5. And after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there and had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he already had been in that condition for a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. There's a couple things I want to point out. In verse 1, if you look at verse 1, there was a feast. And some... Translations say festival, but whatever it was, it was a big to-do, a big ha-ha that was going on there at the temple. And all the priests that were, any kind of priest, they were all there and they were celebrating this big festival. And so all the people were gathered at the temple, because the Bible doesn't name which specific festival it was, uh, and many speculate at it, but the Bible doesn't say. I just know that it was a big 
festival going on. But you notice where Jesus was at. Jesus was at the sheep gate. Now, the sheep gate was around the side of the temple, and it is exactly what it said. It was where they brought the animals in to be slaughtered. It actually was the servant's entrance. It was nasty. It was stinky. And, but this is where Jesus was hanging out at. Now, Jesus could have been anywhere he wanted. He could have been with all the pomp and circumstance, but he wasn't. Jesus was around because he had a mission. So he went around to the sheep gate to find this man that was laying there who had been sick for 38 years. So my first question to you tonight is that are you just running with the crowds or, you on a, or are you on assignment from heaven? There's a big difference. We can get in and, and get things stirred up and just run with the crowd. Or you can know that you know that God sends you somewhere and do his divine will. And so this is what Jesus chose to do. He, if he would have been at the festival, he would have been rightfully so. And they would have honored him as a teacher. Verse 3, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time to the pool and stirred up the water, and whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Pastor, I, I feel like that kind of describes the church today. So many of us, we come to the church and we have expectation. We want to see God move. We want to see God do big things. But then we just come and we sit and we wait for God to move. Matter of fact, we'd be better off if we take all these chairs out of here and got a bunch of recliners and got a popcorn machine and put it in the foyer and anointed it with butter <laughs> so everybody can come in and let pastor entertain them and see if God was going to move today. That's what a lot of people do in church today. And God had to deal with me with this message because I don't just want to be a spectator. And it's not right for me to sit here and wait for God to do everything. Now, he can, he can do that. If God wanted to, he can. Matter of fact, when I get to heaven, one of the things I want to ask Jesus face to face is about this plan that he gave for salvation with the gospel. Here, he could have just spoke the word and we all could have been saved. It would have been it. It would have been just done. But he didn't do that. He went to the cross, he was resurrected, and then he took 12 of the most unlikely guys and put them together and said, now you go spread the good news. That was his plan to save the earth. Now, to me, it didn't sound like a good plan. <laughs> but that, that is his plan. And I'm saved because of it. It's working, amen? So we can't expect God to do everything. We have our part in God's plan. 
And we have to find out what our part is and get involved in it. So are you waiting for a move of the water or is Jesus waiting on you to make a move? Verse 6 says, when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. Jesus already knew what was going on. So he said to him, do you want to be made well? Let me ask you something tonight. Do you think Jesus could ask you a question he doesn't already know the answer to? So then why do we waste our time coming up with excuses of why we can't do it? I don't know how pastor does it every week. Before he comes to church on Sunday, he gets, all, he gets bombarded with all kind of texts Sunday morning about who can't make it to church and why. Now, I'm not saying people don't have legitimate excuses, but it would be hard for me to push through that and come up here and try to preach. Because all those excuses would be running through my head. We have to be careful that we're not full of excuses and not full of excitement and in the middle of what God is doing. Amen? Verse 7 says, The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. Here's some more excuses. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said, rise up, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. I like the fact that Jesus didn't even entertain his excuses. It's kind of odd. Jesus didn't even, he had no sympathy, no empathy, anything. He just immediately tells them, just pick up your bed and walk. And this man did it. Sometimes excuses are getting away with what God wants to do in our life. Brianna, come up here. Brianna was sharing with me how before she went to Brazil, she was struggling because she had all kind of excuses of why she couldn't go to Brazil. You want to share some of them? Sure. Sorry, y'all. Y'all bear with me. I'm super nervous. Um, so when I originally signed up for Brazil, one of my best friends signed up, and we were going to go together, and she found out she was pregnant, and she wasn't going. So I was like, you know what? Maybe this is not for me. Um, I used finances as an excuse, my kid as an excuse, fear and anxiety, um, fear of getting there, fear of being there, fear of not knowing how to share the gospel. But something kept telling me, you got to go. So, let me ask you something. You feel like the Holy Spirit touched you while you were there? Share with us how the Holy Spirit touched you personally. Okay. So, um, the backstory. Obviously, like I said, I was full of anxiety and fear. And I remember talking one night. It was a couple weeks before um, we left. And I was talking to some ladies and telling them, I hate airplanes. I don't like boats, and I hate the heat, and mosquitoes, and God wants to send me to Brazil. Like, I don't, I don't understand. And Miss Maria looked at me, and she said, girl, if you don't like none of those things, and God's telling you to go, then you're about to go to that next level. 
And <laughs> and when we were there, I went with an expectation and a hunger for more of Jesus. One night or one afternoon, we were supposed to be going house to house, and I don't even re remember what happened. But we ended up just going to the church, the church in the community, and um, we all met there with the people from the community. And um, it's so funny how God works. We were on the way there, and this whole time I kept hearing about Holy Spirit and baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're walking there, and I told Cynthia, I said. When we get back, I want to talk to Sam because I want to understand more about baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like, I want more. I want to go to that next level. And we're in there, and I can't even explain how thick the atmosphere was with the presence of God. And God was just pouring stuff into me, and I was able to start ministering to people like I've never ministered before. And it was nothing but Him. It wasn't me. And I heard God tell me, you're ready. You're ready to go to the next step. You're ready to receive this. And I can't, I can't explain the experience and the intimacy I had in that moment and that encounter with God and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's not about the physical things that happened while it was going on, but what was happening inside. And when I left that church, I walked out with a boldness and with a confidence and in the will of God, being the woman of God that I'm called to be. Come up here, Lucy. Bree. I believe not only that you experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit, but I believe you were touched with the fire of God. And one thing about, Pastor, I believe we need all three to be in revival. You need Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit, and we need the fire of God. So one thing, once you've been in the fire of God, it's important that you stay. You stay connected. You stay in the fire of God. You going with those students next week? They're going to need the fire. You want the fire tonight? Pray, pray with her, Lucy. Pray with her, Lucy. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with one accord, in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a might as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire one sat upon each of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance Thank you, Lord. 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 Let Holy Spirit have his way. Let him have free reign in this place tonight. Don't put him in a box. Don't restrict him.
Thank you, Lord. Now, some people would say the miracle that I use with Jesus, they would say that's easy because he was Jesus, right? Jesus could do miracles. So what, what would you expect? Anything less of Jesus. But when Jesus was on the earth, he walked as fully human. So anything that he did supernaturally, you have the same access to right now. Jesus went through a process before he began his ministry. And in that process, he relied on the Holy Spirit. He relied on the Father telling him what to do. And he did miracles if they were necessary. And sometimes he didn't do miracles. He was led by the Spirit. You know, the Bible uses the term, well, especially in the gospel. In the gospel, it uses the term son of man. And son of man denotes Jesus and all his humanity. And when, when he walked the earth, yes, he could have performed as God, but he didn't. He walked as a man, but he did supernatural things as a man, even before he was resurrected. But it's used 83 times in the gospel, in 79 different verses. So let's look at how Jesus started his ministry. If you would, let's go to Luke chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Now, as the people were in expectation, they were expecting something. Now, this was John's ministry. He was there baptizing people, but even his disciples had an expectation of God was going to do wonderful and mighty things. And all reason in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, and John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I know a lot of times the Bible uses the symbol of fire to represent the Holy Spirit. But here it's not. There are two separate things. There's a conjunction in there. And. So and brings together two separate things. If it meant the same thing, if it was talking about the Holy Spirit being fire, it would have sounded like this. You know, he's going to baptize you with Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit. Pastor's drinking water and water, right? He's drinking coffee and cream. That makes more sense, right? You don't use a conjunction out of place. Actually, if you look at it in the Greek, that word pneuma there is representing Holy Spirit. In the Greek, right here in this context, the wind and the Greek word is fire. So it's not 
we don't lose it in English. But a lot of times we look over it because there are two distinct things that we need. We need Holy Spirit, and we need the fire of God. So tonight, like, especially if you've been to this church and you've been here at least four times, you know that Jesus is everything. <laughs> I, I don't think I have to emphasize Jesus too much if you're a regular comer at Remnant. And lately, the past few months, we've been talking a lot about Holy Spirit. Tonight, I want to emphasize the fire, and we need all three to stay in revival. Let's look at, uh, do you have verse 21? I can't remember. Okay, put verse 21 up. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, heaven was open. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. So I want to talk about some things Jesus did. So Jesus got baptized. Now I wonder, why did Jesus get baptized? Did he need to get baptized? Did he need remission of sin? Jesus got baptized for the same reason you need to get baptized. It's a public proclamation that you're following the Lord. That was the beginning of his ministry. He was publicly stating, I'm ready to do my Father's will. That's why we get baptized. There's, that's why there's Baptism Sunday. I encourage you to do it if you hadn't already. So we see the first thing in Jesus' ministry, he gets baptized with water, and then he begins to pray, and what happened? Heaven opened. Some people don't believe in this sanctuary right now that when you pray, heaven will open. But I'm here to tell you tonight, when you pray, heaven hears you. Heaven responds. So he was filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to do what God calls you to do. Now, if you just want to do what you want to do, you don't need Holy Spirit. You're all good. You got that. But in order for you to do what God wants you to do, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. In order for us to be in revival, we need the Holy Spirit. We're not smart enough to put anything together that's going to be so amazing that it's going to give the people what they need, but God knows what each and every one of us needs in this sanctuary tonight. So he was led by the Spirit. I'm sorry. Did you put the, the text up? Okay. <laughs> did you get the one on baptism, or did I go too fast? So he prayed. Jesus was a praying man. And he got baptized. So after his baptism, he immediately 
is led by the Spirit because he was full of the what? Holy Spirit. So when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you can be led by the Spirit. You can't be led by the Spirit if you haven't been filled with the Spirit. So he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So he is. Here heaven just opens. God talks, speaks to him in front of everybody. And immediately the enemy comes. Holy Spirit takes him to the desert now. And the enemy comes to tempt him. Uh, I get, uh, let me read that right quick. Uh, Luke 4, ver- I don't have it uh, on the screen, but I'll, I'll just read it. Luke 4, verses 1 and 2. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward had ended, he was hungry. Listen, when you fast, when you're done, you're going to be hungry. You know why people don't fast, Pastor? Because they don't want to be hungry. (laughs) I thought it was ironic that he said he was tempted for 40 days. Now, if you read that chapter on your own yourself, you'll see the three things that the devil brings against him. But he was tempted for 40 days. Some people can't stand temptation for 30 minutes. They give in. For 40 days, Jesus fasted and he withstood the temptation. He was successful because he was led by the Spirit of God. He was full of Holy Spirit. And he didn't fall for the enemy's tricks. Let me keep going. I'm showing you all things that Jesus did as a man in all things that we're supposed to be doing as Christians. Being baptized, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit, and practice fasting. I can't go into teaching on fasting tonight, but it's one of the things that we need to do as a Christian. I like what verse 13 says, and I didn't give this to you, Pastor Lauren, but verse 13 says, uh, the devil leaves until a better opportunity comes after he had tempted him and he fails. I want to let you know that when you get on fire for God, the enemy is watching you. He's going to come for you. And even if he fails, he's not just going to quit. He's going to wait for a better opportunity again. That's why you have to stay full of the Holy Spirit and full of the fire of God. Those are two things that can back the devil up. Let me keep going. I'm getting off track off my notes. Um, so then we go down, you can put this scripture up. Uh, we see in the text uh, in Luke chapter 4, verse, starting at verse 14. And I'll read it off the screen. Uh, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He returned how? In the power of the Spirit. Can I tell you tonight, God wants you to be in the power of the Spirit. Wherever you're going back to the to tonight, he wants you to be in the power of the Spirit. Like you do pretty good on your own, but just think about if you were in the power of the Spirit and you went back to your jobs, you went back to your family, you went back to wherever you go, wherever you hang out, in the power of the Spirit, what can God do in this community if we were full of the power of the Spirit? Let me keep going. And the news of him went throughout all of the surrounding region, 
and he taught in their synagogues, being, glor being glorified by all. Let me stop right here. Just like tonight, Pastor J didn't just willy-nilly hand me this microphone. He believed in faith and trusted that I would study the Word of God before I got up here. So here Jesus shows up in a synagogue, and they give him an opportunity to speak. Now, he had something to say, but that's because he, he knew the Word of God. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and, and, and as his custom was, that means he did it all the time. It wasn't like this was his trial sermon, he was just getting up to preach. This wasn't his first time. He, was, he had been doing this. They were familiar with him. They said, oh, Jesus is here. Let him have this part. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. I'm going to start right here. You know, you could have gave Jesus any book and he'd have got something good out of it. Amen. But they messed around and gave him the prophet Isaiah. <laughs> and when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written again, showing that he studied, he knew. So he, they gave him the scroll, he flipped around, he got, oh, this, I want to read this part right here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Let me start, stop right here. So not only was Jesus um, led by the Spirit, he, he fasted, he passed his temptations, he studies the Word, he teaches, but he was also anointed. Amen. Now I want to tell you, this is something that, that God hasn't revealed to me. But if you start walking in your anointing, there's no limit to what God can do in Waycross. That's why we need Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit, and we need fire. So let me talk about the fire for a little bit. Pastor has, I can't, I, I don't think I can add anything more to it. But pastor has been preaching lately how when we have the Holy Spirit, and I believe when you get the fire, you will have the boldness. If you would have asked Bree six months ago, could she do any of these things, she would have said no. She would have cowered down. She wouldn't have, she wouldn't have had the self-confidence. She wouldn't have did it. But she stepped out in faith, and God met her where her faith was. She opened her heart. He touched her. He set her on fire. If you sit down and talk with her, she really can't be quiet because she's going to keep talking about how God is just doing all these things in her life right now. Can I tell you, God wants that to be everybody's testimony in here. So why do we need Holy Spirit and fire? Why isn't Holy Spirit good enough? Now, the one thing, Jesus didn't need Holy Spirit and fire. You know why? 
Jesus didn't have the Adam gene. We have the Adam gene. We're all descendants from Adam. And because of that, our default nature is sinful. If you don't believe me, stop trying to do good. You only have to try to do bad. It'll just be automatic. You'll just find yourself doing things you shouldn't be doing. But Jesus didn't have that because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't need the fire because he didn't have to contend with all the things we have to. The fire burns that out of us. The Bible describes God as a consuming fire. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, it says he's a, uh, Moses was telling the people, he said he's a uh, consuming fire and a jealous God. That's why we need the fire, because anything that we put above God, God is jealous over. And if we let God touch us with his fire, he'll burn that away. He'll take desires away. He can change your life. But you have to allow him. The fire, we are like, pastor preached it a few weeks back, we are, we are like the sacrifice when we come to the altar. Well, in the Old Testament, when they put sacrifices on the altar, guess what they did to it? They set it on fire. God wants to do the same thing today. If you put a sacrifice on the altar tonight, he's going to set it on fire. And what will be left will be pure and holy and ready for God to use. We need the fire of God. I remember this young lady the first time she was touched by the fire of God. Do you remember? Okay, you want to share? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't, don't even know where to begin. Um, oh, okay. Um, you know, all I can think about is how life-changing it is. You know, I look back just a year ago. And I don't even know who that girl is because God has done so many things. And it's just, it is life-changing, <laughs> you know, and I just, it blows me away with God's goodness and his grace. And, and it's, it's a second chance, you know, it's a second chance. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't know what I'll say. Now I'm all shaky. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Pray for her, honey. The fire, we, not, we don't all react the same to the fire, so don't look for that. Just know that most people, when you're touched by the fire of God, you can't stand. You can't stand in the presence of God. You can look over and over in the Bible when people had encounters with God and it immediately fell to the ground. And over and over, the, the Bible says, fear not, for I'm with you. And when you get that peace, when you know it's God, I'll just describe for myself the first time I was touched by the fire of God. The best way I can describe it is I felt like I had left my body. 
A man of God touched me and I hit the ground. And I wanted to get up, but I couldn't. But I didn't feel bad. I felt good. Like, I felt awesome. Like, I was trying to process what was going on, and I didn't understand it. But it didn't matter. Because I loved it. And God was pouring into me, and I was trying to articulate something back, but nothing was coming out of my mouth. It was the fire of God. I didn't know words were necessary. I needed to shut up and receive. Holy Spirit wants you to receive tonight. He wants you to be on the altar tonight. He wants to consume the things out of your life that don't belong there right now. One of the things that the fire does, that it consumes the dictates of our flesh. What's wrong with our flesh? It's never satisfied. I don't know what temperature it is in here right now, but I guarantee you somebody's uncomfortable. (laughs) It's too hot for some, it's too cold for others. You get a new wardrobe is too itchy whatever something is always going on with the flesh and just when you get it just right wait about five minutes how many have one of those reclining chairs at home you sit in it you love it but then after 20 minutes you start resting around in the chair our flesh is never satisfied When I was under the fire, I wasn't thinking about, oh, I'm on the ground. I better get up. I didn't care. I did not have any reservation. The second thing the fire does is it consumes the desires of our heart. And not that our desires are bad, but are they in line with what God wants you to be doing right now? We could be wanting good things, but not every good thing is a God thing. If you show up to the campground in a couple weeks and God moves like he's moving, like he's been moving in our services, you're going to have to alter some things. You're going to have to rearrange some schedules. God wants to move. We stand in the way. We have to get on the altar and let his fire consume us. I'm going to leave with this one last thing. One of the other things that the fire does, it consumes our thoughts. We need a renewed mind in Christ. One of the things when you're under the fire, you can't I couldn't process what was going on. It didn't make any sense to me in the natural. Even when I got up afterwards, which was about an hour later, and I could find the strength and my knees were wobbly and I sat down and I'm trying to figure out what just happened. 
Like, I had a schedule key. We were supposed to be leaving and going somewhere. I was the driver, actually, of a car, of a group of people. And the driver laid out on the floor for an hour. We were late, yes. Drunk in the Holy Spirit. Under the fire. Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure, the Bible says. Jesus did all these wonderful things, and he expects us to be working with him today. Before he left the earth, he gave his disciples the keys to the kingdom. All power and all authority are invested in us. But we can't just sit back, recline out, and wait for God to do everything. It's time to open our hearts, make a decision tonight. Are you willing to step in the fire and let God radically alter and change your life? You'll know if you've ever been in the, under the fire of God because you'll never be the same again. Never. Now, it wears off after a while, and if you're not careful, you'll go back to your old ways. Pastor, you know why revivals end? When there's nothing else left on the altar. Play, play the song for me, please. When there's nothing left on the altar, people forget why revival came in the first place. Revival comes when we're hungry, when we're ready, when we're expecting, when we allow God to be God, and we adjust to what he's doing. I love revivals. I study revivals. I've been in revivals. I had friends that been a part of some of the biggest revivals in this country in Brownsville Revival. I was sharing with Pastor Lauren earlier this week, one of my friends that I met, and I didn't, I didn't understand why he was so radically different until he shared with me his experience there. But most revivals do die, and that they die because there's nothing left on the altar. If we're not careful, we'll get casual about the things of God. We'll lose our hunger because we'll, we'll, we'll come expecting, we'll see miracles, and they'll become too commonplace for us. But if you stay in the fire of God, God will drive that nonsense away and keep you focused. Sometimes we just get too complacent. It's too much effort. It's too much work. When... The Brownsville Revival broke out. They did two services a day, two services a day for four straight years. Two services a day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, for four straight years. Are we ready for revival? Are we ready to adjust our schedule? Are we ready to step into the fire and say, God, whatever you want to do, do it here. Do it in me first. 
you have that hunger and thirst right now, we have to keep it. Because as soon as we think revival's for somebody else, we'll lose revival. Revival's for me first. I'm the first one in my household that needs revival. And I'd love for everybody in my family to get it. But I have to keep it first. Hallelujah. If you would, just stand with me. Father, I give you permission right now to move any way you want in this service. We ask you to come. Come like the wind. Come like fire. Come like water. Come however you want to come. God, I don't put you in the box. You come however you want to come tonight. Lord, touch us. Revive us. Bring us back to life. Lord, we need you first tonight. Thank you, Lord. Come here, Josh. God, you have your way tonight. Lord, we heard your word. This is what's your message tonight. Lord, after this, we're going to have to make a decision. We're going to have to do something with what we were taught tonight, Lord. Lord, I pray tonight that you would have your way completely. We would clear our slate. We would enlarge our tents, Lord, so that you could increase our territory, Father God. Anything that's not like you, Lord, take it away right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we give you full permission right now in the name of Jesus. 
distractions, we bind them up right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, you set our priority tonight. Lord, you speak to us. Just like you did at the baptism for Jesus, Lord. Open up heavens tonight, Lord. Pour it over this church, Lord. Pour it over your people, Lord. In the name of Jesus. No restrictions, Lord. It might not look like I want it to look, Lord. But it's yours. You have your way, Lord. Touch your people tonight, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're here tonight. And you have no idea what I'm talking about. Maybe somebody brought you, maybe a friend, a loved one, brought you as a guest. I was talking about how Christians should act. And I gave you an example of what Jesus did when he walked the earth. If God is touching your heart right now and you want to get to know Jesus better, now is your time. Today is your day. If you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life, just come down to the altar right now. I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We need you. We need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. And we need the fire of God to fall in this place right now. Thank you, Lord. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.